0: Welcome to the UAC podcast. UAC was founded by Dr. Patrick Gentempo to create a place where the most successful chiropractors from different backgrounds and from around the world could come together to mastermind and create lasting friendships.
1: Our profession is unique, and surrounding yourself with a genius inside of UAC is a formula to grow personally and professionally into the life you've always known you are capable of achieving. Welcome to Chiropractic's Brain Trust. Welcome to the inaugural episode of the UAC Podcast. I am Lynn Mao. I'm joined by my co-host, the beautiful Stephanie Rodstater. and our guest today, Dr. Eric thank Welcome, you for having Welcome, Dr. Me. Eric. Thank
2: you. Thank you. <laughs> Honored to be the first.
1: Well, you know, I was going through this and thinking about, with Steph, uh, we were thinking about who we wanted to interview first. Um, this podcast is just going to be a great way, I think, for our members to like fast track that connection because um, the, for the new members coming in and for the people that have been around like yourself for several years now, um, it's just a way to develop that connection at a faster pace. So, but when we were thinking about who to interview for the first uh, guest for the first show, it would definitely your name was at the top of the list. Um, so true. that should be a good compliment.
2: It is, you. it is. <laughs> I know both of you so well, so it's perfect.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we're going to jump in um, with UAC. We, you know, core values are, are huge. Uh, we mm-hmm. talked about that today. We're in beautiful Miami Beach mm-hmm. at the Fountain Blue Hotel for our November event, uh, kicking or ending off 2020, which has just been, uh, well, interesting, right? Crazy times, uh, very tumultuous. But um, core values uh, continually come up. And all of us in this room have personal, professional core values. Let's jump in right away with, you know, I want to know, what are some of your values, Eric?
2: Yeah, so I actually, I have them written down. My, uh, my personal core values, um, number one for me is freedom. Um, especially this last year of COVID, I've, you know, harped on this value even more and realized how important it is to me to have freedom, whether it's, you know, financial freedom or just freedom to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And so uh, that is definitely my number one. Um, I can go through them. You want me to go through them all with you? Yeah, okay. yeah
0: absolutely. So my
2: second one is uh, inner harmony. I realize peace and just joy and and calmness and that inner harmony is very, very important to me. No matter how crazy life can get sometimes, I I, I need to come back to that. Um, Health is number three. Uh, Family, number four. Um, And family, you know, it's always important to be a high one. But I realize if I don't have those first three, then I can't be the the dad that I need to be to really raise a great family. It's Um, good to
0: know that about yourself. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Achievement, uh, simplicity and economic security uh, round out my, my top. So those are things that are very important that I try to, when I make decisions in life and in business, I try to take those into serious consideration before I make any big steps going forward.
0: That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Eric, I've known you a long time. This is, I'm Stephanie. So <laughs> hi guys. Um, but I've known you a long time. I've been in your accountability group for almost seven years, which is pretty exciting. Is and crazy. I, I just want you to tell us like, what is your, what do you feel like is your superpower? I feel like I, I know a lot about, about your superpowers, but tell us a little bit about what, what is your, like your zone of genius?
2: So this is a, uh, yeah, this is a timely thing. Cause this is something I've struggled with for years. I I realized I think that I'm good at a lot of stuff, and trying to really hone in, and, you know, not not good at a lot of stuff as well, but trying to hone in on what my genius is. And and I think one thing that really helped me was I we read a book actually in our accountability group called The Big Leap a few mm, years ago. That's excellent. And if you guys haven't read it, you should. It's an awesome book. But they talk about the different um, you know four zones that you can be in there's zone of incompetence just stuff you're not good at there's zone of competence which is stuff you're good at but you probably should hire somebody else to do it and then there's a zone of excellence which is where a lot of people get stuck zone of excellence is where you're doing things you're really good at and you can be successful at but it's not really your passion mm-hmm. and and then the four zone is the zone of genius which is where you not know, only you're really good at it, but it's your passion that's where all people that's what why you're on this planet essentially is is to do those things in your zone of genius and so through A lot of different, um, I can give you credit, Lynn, for StrengthFinders. StrengthFinders really helped me clarify. Like for years, you know, we've had a successful practice, um, been doing great, but I've never been like truly happy. Like I I don't Mm -hmm. dislike my job by any means, but I I realized there was something more that I wanted. And so we can get into that with some of my other business things in a minute. But um, I realized that, you know, I'm good at adjusting patients. I'm good at growing a practice, but I didn't necessarily love certain parts of it. And so I realized um, that was my zone of excellence. I was good at it. I could make money doing it. I could help a lot of people, but I didn't love it. And then I started to really understanding my strengths and doing like disc analysis and doing things. Um, like uh, Myers Briggs and understand myself a lot better. I realize that I'm a better business owner than I am a chiropractor. Um, my top strengths are things like ach- achiever, learner, competitive, uh, deliberative, um, analytical. Yes. And, and and what's really low on me is things like empathy and connection stuff. That's really important to be a great connector of with people, which is what chiropractors really are. And I'm just low on those. So I can do it. It's my zone of excellence, mm-hmm. but it doesn't give me juice. I don't get right. really. And so I think what I've, I've really pinpointed on, what I really love to do is more of like like project management or, you know, being a COO, CEO, like
1: handling many things,
2: yeah, integrating stuff. Like I really, I think I have a little visionary in I think I'm much more of an integrator. That's mm-hmm. where I love. I love having 10 different things going on and managing it and, and you know, delegating and hiring and doing all that kind of stuff. And and so I, I kind of think that's my zone of genius yeah. is, is doing that. I
1: love what you were talking about, just how your, your journey and how mm-hmm. it's taking you to get really certain on that. And I like to think of it that like that place of fulfillment is almost like a Venn diagram where... Mm -hmm. Your strengths intersect with your purpose, Mm -hmm. um, but then also your skill set, too, and you know, Mm -hmm. the the circumstances that you've placed yourself in. So, that's
2: I think one thing that's really liberating for me is that we've always been taught to, you know, you know, your strengths and your weaknesses, you should work on your weaknesses, right? Because you got to get stronger. And I learned very quickly, I knew my weaknesses were, but I just didn't want to address them because I didn't like it. And through Strength Finders, kind of learning that. Don't work on your weaknesses. Delegate them. You know, yeah, work yeah. on your strengths and delegate the weaknesses to other absolutely. people who it's their strengths. Yeah. And that was so freeing. That it's like, okay, I don't it have is. to do that stuff that I'm not good at, I don't like. I'm just going to do the stuff I like and I'm good at and delegate the rest.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, your greatest access to success mm-hmm. is through your strengths. Mm-hmm. It's your it's exponential growth mm-hmm. versus working on something that isn't your strong suit or, sure. you know, I don't even like that word weakness it, because the, the assessment itself actually doesn't test weakness. It just doesn't, mm-hmm. it just means you're not uniquely talented in empathy or what are what are the other strengths that lay at the bottom. Sure. Um, but, you know, you could work on those. Mm-hmm. And at most, you would get a mediocre improvement. Yeah. But if you focus in on what you're really good at, which, mm-hmm. you know, we've seen that with yeah. you and your practice and like rock star practice, uh, you know, associate that you've had mm-hmm. that's just uh, come in and, you mm-hmm. know, trans obviously the leadership that you've brought to him, but mm-hmm. how I've seen that personally and stuff, I know you'll speak to that too, just how it's yeah. improved the quality of your life because mm-hmm. of your training with him and sure. knowing who to hire on yeah. um, the certainty around that. So yeah, well, kudos it's been, too.
2: it's been huge. Um, I think one of the big things that really helped me was I, I, I would see a lot of patients and I would come home and I would be like emotionally exhausted like, I would just be dead, and my wife would want to talk, and I'm like, I don't want to talk to anybody. My neighbors would want to hang out. I'm like, I don't want to talk to anybody. And so taking the Myers-Briggs test, what I found out I was I'm a slight introvert. And I always thought maybe I was a little bit. I'm just slightly on the introvert scale. And so what I realized, what I learned a lot about this, and I read a book called Quiet. It was an mm, awesome book. That's that it teaches an excellent about, book.
1: Susan, uh, I remember uh, Kane, name. I think it is. Susan yes, Kane. Yeah, awesome book.
2: book. Um, but what I learned was that introverts can be extroverted. It just takes a lot of energy to do it and so like you have this battery of energy that you charge every night you wake up and for an introvert to be around a ton of people all day you can do it but you're drained whereas an extrovert will come out of work you know energized by that they that they get energized by being around people introverts get energized by being by themselves and having that time and so i realized quickly you know i have just 100 people a day i would come home and be be exhausted and i realized why learning from that so that was a big eye-opener for me that i wanted to still serve a lot of people through chiropractic, but I wanted to add associates. So let them let their passion be seeing patients, and I can just be the CEO, and I can provide that resource. So they can just be a doctor. They don't have to be a business owner, and I can handle the business owner side, the stuff that I really awesome. love and gives me all the juice.
1: So I want to talk about another huge contribution that mm-hmm. you've made, and you are um, you outgoing president, correct? Your term yes. is coming to an end here, mm-hmm. but uh, the l- largest uh, chiropractic association in the country, or one no, of them? No, I think yeah, we're one of the, t- the top five, is- yeah is huge and yeah, should be a model for every other state really, yeah. um, president. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've been involved with the association in other roles for several years. Oh yeah. So talk about that, you know, as far as your term ending, what, what do you think has been your biggest contribution with the Mac?
2: Oh gosh. Um, well I've, I've been in the Mac since, uh, I got out of school, um, graduated what 18, 19 years ago now. And the doctor that I, uh, Worked for. I worked for as an associate for a year before I had my own practice. And the the guy I worked for um, was like, "You're getting involved in the state association." We, it wasn't even the MAC at that time. We had two separate associations that hadn't uh, unified yet. And he's like, "You're getting involved." So he like just made me go and do stuff, which is I was like, you know, kind of intimidated because I just got out of school. I didn't That's really so know what awesome. I was doing. Yeah, and so um, so I just I, from the beginning I, I kind of got involved. And I remember it was 2002. We just graduated and this back when Life University almost went under. They lost their accreditation. Students were fleeing, you know, left and right, that financially they were almost shot. Um and it might have been later in two thousand two, but somewhere in the you know, early two thousands. And um so we wanted to save it, obviously, being one of the last bastions of true principle chiropractic life. Um, they life. Uh, in Michigan, we really rounded up the troops because a lot of the people that founded Michigan, uh, or sorry, founded uh, Life were from Michigan, along with Sid Williams. And so there was a lot of interest involved, obviously, in, in keeping it afloat. We tried to raise um, money. Um, luckily, Dr. Reekman um, was like an angel and came in and, and helped us save that. And I remember we, we actually in Michigan were going around and we were, trying to get students, we were literally going and getting these high school kids or anybody who was interested in a chiropractor to come to these groups. And doctors were speaking about what principal chiropractic is, trying to motivate people and literally had forms there like to apply for a loan and literally like in, enroll in life. It was like that, like dire. Wow. We were getting, yeah. And I remember uh, Dr. Chuck Ribley, who um, one of my mentors in Michigan at the time, he was the uh, chairman of the board uh, of life. And I think he was one of the founders of, of life back in the seventies. And he gave a talk and he said that, you know, my fear, is that someday my grandkids or my great grandkids will not be able to get a chiropractic adjustment. And he said that I'm worried that we will lose our identity. And at the time, you know, I'm fresh out of school, I didn't really, you know, connect. I'm like, no, that's never gonna happen. And then I started to realize quickly, it it could happen. You could, chiropractic could become just this mechanized model of physical therapy if we don't keep the principle. And so that really motivated me to be like, okay, I gotta get involved, I gotta support the profession. And so at that point I went from hating being involved in our state association to realizing there's a, there was a purpose to it. And so I just oh. kept getting involved. I just kept moving up, moving up. And eventually two years ago, I was, uh, I was named the president or voted in as the president. And, uh, we've done a lot. It was, it, the first year of my presidency was very easy. We uh, Everything was going it's great in chiropractic. Year yeah, it's a two-year okay. term. So it was 19 and 20 that I served. Um, everything was going great. We were, you know, having great inroads with uh, the Cairo Congress and all these things we're doing nationally. And then all of a sudden 2020 hits, and <laughs> we all know what, what that was about. And so it's been a challenging year, obviously. I uh, can't have conventions, can't do a lot of stuff. Um, we're still working very hard, and fortunately we have a lot of financial backing, so we're able to um, you know, to withstand a, a crisis like this, but it right. definitely worries me. Other state associations might be smaller that can't withstand this, but we're doing everything we can to help other states, and, and uh, we need to keep very strong um, principal state associations active. Really, really yeah. important
0: awesome to yeah. uh i feel like we have a celebrity here in uac with our president of the oh, mac God. i think no, it's a pretty no, no, no. that's <laughs> it's pretty No, it's pretty cool to have you here and um so what are you this year being 2020 what has been some of the things that you've seen like in the chiropractic profession as far as i mean michigan especially you guys had a little bit of a tough governor there too mm-hmm. so like what have what have you guys seen
2: well what i've seen is um and I think I've seen this across the nation, talking to other doctors, is that how much our patients value chiropractic? Yeah. I know in Michigan, we were, sh- fortunately, we didn't have to shut our practice down, but the basically the state was shut down. I know in some states they had to actually shut down chiropractic practices, but, you know, and I think it was April, our visits had dropped 70%. Right. Like we were at 30% of our volume. And wow. I was like, I'd never been that low since my first year in practice back right. in 2003. And so that really scared me. And talking to my colleagues, they were scared. It's like, are these people gonna come back? Right. And fortunately, once things opened up, um, and people were able to leave their house and do those things that they all came back. And we've, awesome. you know, we got right back to our pre-COVID volume with, you know, by probably September. Good. And so I was a, it made me, you know, like I was a relief as a business owner, obviously, that <laughs> I was financially doing well, but how much our patients really valued. Um, and they weren't, you know, they weren't falling off. They were just waiting until they could actually come back. And and so that that was, uh, you know, very inspiring for sure.
0: That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing I just want to get into, I think is a really cool um Something to know about you, Eric, is the fact that you had owned those gyms mm-hmm. in the in the past, and uh, I know just like getting to like talk with you through that. I mm. think it's just really awesome for people to hear about that situation and what it's like to own gyms that are in competition. Can you just give give a little bit of light on that story? And I think it's a, g- a great place for people to learn from too.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so. You know, looking back in 2011, I got an itch to open a fitness center. Um, at the time, I didn't really know why. Looking back now and understanding my strengths better, I understand why. I just was kind of, um, you know, I was getting bored with just taking care of patients and I wanted something, some other challenge, right? Um, and so, I I've found a great opportunity in my area to open, it's called an it Anytime Fitness. It's you know, a large fitness uh, franchise. Um, and we opened it and, you know, talking about my my strength being project management, I I love, I got so much enjoyment from, you know, working with the contractors and finding the location and hiring the people and training and and just getting that everything set up. And the whole time I'm running my own chiropractic office doing this as well. Um, And so I, I really... Love that experience. And so we opened up, you know, within three months, we hit break even. It was like one of the records for, you know, the franchise. We were really fortunate. We did great job marketing and it did really well for about a year. Um, Well, actually a little bit longer than that, but for the first year we were killing it. We were doing like doing 10, 12,000 a month in pure profit. I literally spent like six hours a month probably working on it. So it was just great residual income. We were doing really, really well. And I was like, well, I can, I need to do more of these. (laughs) And so uh, um, there was no more territories to buy, but fortunately I found somebody that was looking to sell Um, Two other Anytime Fitnesses in my Metro Detroit area that, uh, you know, far enough away they were competing. And so we worked out a deal. I was able to get a really good deal on them. And then so I bought two more gyms. And I had a, uh, uh, a district manager running them all for me. I think I had a time like 35 employees in those area and in the gyms and trainers and salespeople and everything. And it was, things was working out really well. We were making great money. I was enjoying it. It kind of supported my passion of health and fitness. And uh, things were great until uh, suddenly uh, the fitness boom really hit and we started having massive amounts of competition come in. And I was really unfortunate in the exact locations where my gyms were. One of them, the first one that I opened that was doing really well was actually in the top 5% of all Anytime Fitnesses worldwide. Um, a Planet Fitness opened up 200 yards away from my Mm -hmm. yeah from my fitness center and planet fitness their whole model is ten dollars a month you know get those people that are not serious about fitness which is probably half of my people and we were charging like 40 dollars a month because that's what we had to do for our margins um so yeah within about uh six months we lost like half our members so we went from making a lot to uh, losing a lot the other two practices that i'd or not practices the other two gyms that i would bought la fitness moved in right in between the two. So it was literally two miles from each of those, those gyms. And so, and that happened with all happened within about three months of each other. And so we went from all three practices or all three uh, gyms, we were profiting about 25 grand a month. We went to losing about 10 to 15 grand a month. I was literally taking money out of my savings to pay the bill. So it was a very uh, scary situation. Um, fortunately, I was able to find somebody who was a, another gym owner that was um, I'll use the word naive enough to, uh, to buy my practices. I literally would have given him away at that point because the liabilities I had were, were very high, but he, he paid me a little bit of money. So I was able to exit without too much uh, uh, pain. Um, but the big lesson I learned, I think this is why you're asking stuff, was that I realized it made me have so much more appreciation for chiropractic because chiropractic is not a commodity. You can make of it what you want, um, whereas uh, gyms really they're commodities. It's, it's, it's the people are look at that as it's location, it's cost. That's all they look at chiropractic. You can add so much value to people and you can create your own you know, philosophy and what you want. obviously the people that are better at doing that succeed more in chiropractic, but you can, you know, I always made the example talking to people. I said, if I held a gun to your head and said, you have three months to increase your practice by hundred visits, I bet you any money you will, you'll find a way to increase your practice by hundred visits. Right. Whereas with I tried everything in the gyms. There's literally nothing you can do. And so it made me really appreciate chiropractic and and uh, you know how much impact we can have on what we do.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, obviously we were with you um, through that whole process and just watched the amount of stress that I've created. But um, I know when you came out on the other end that, that those lessons that you get, I think it was Chris Arnold that talked today in our genius development session that we had this morning uh, about the gift of failure, you know, and failing forward and... Um, and that's just a part of that entrepreneurial spirit, you know, like we're compelled to mm-hmm. to get out there and, and and seek that variety and make a bigger impact and, and just, mm-hmm. you know, um, expand our reach. So Well
2: it's funny too, let me just speak yeah. to that. After after the whole gym thing, I felt kinda of like a failure. I mean, luckily it didn't break me, but I, I, I didn't want to take any chances, and Steph, you probably remember talking on our calls a lot about that back then. Um, I didn't want to take any chances. I was like, okay, that was risky. What was I doing? What was I thinking? Like, looking back, like, I don't know anything about fitness. Like, why did I think I could, you know, open fitness, you know, chain, uh, you know, locations around? And um, so it made me really hesitant. But then I, I really kind of deconstructed it about a year after it happened, when kind of the emotion went down a little bit. And I realized I really didn't necessarily make any mistakes. Like I just I took a chance and and I had some really bad luck with competition that moved in literally right next door and uh, you know that happens in business and mm-hmm. you see the most successful people in the world make mistakes all the time they fail but the biggest thing is to learn from it Absolutely. and so as a result I've you know gotten back on my entrepreneurial horse and and you know I'm yes. willing to take risks and get back into it realize that it's okay to fail as long as you recover yeah. and don't let it keep you down.
1: I think that's such a part of the fabric of the people in this group uh, in the UAC. So you've been a member for how many years? years? Seven years, excellent. And uh, who referred you to the UAC? Uh,
2: I can't remember. (laughs) I think it was Mark and Lynn Mel. Yeah, that's right.
1: Oh, (laughs) yes, I'm patting myself on the back for that. Uh, But no, of course, I mean, you're just Mm -hmm. a natural um, fit for this group. And just, you know, we talk a lot about what this group is, uh, what it means, Mm the impact that it has. Love to hear, what does being in the UAC mean to you?
2: You know what, joined the UAC, well, it means a lot, but it. I, at first I didn't know really what to expect. Mark was like, hey, there's this awesome group. You got to come check it out. Come with us. I said, okay. I think you guys at the time had been in about a year um, when he invited me. And so I checked it out, um, got to actually reconnect with some old friends that I hadn't seen that, you know, since, since school that were here. And then just what I, sometimes when you're in your own little town and you have a successful practice, you're like the big fish in the little pond and you get comfortable. And you're like, yeah, I know there's more, but you know what? I'm doing well. I make more money than my friends and, you know, I'm I'm helping people. But then you get around people in UAC and suddenly you're a small fish in a big pond. And and initially it's a little intimidating, but then it it pushes you. And it's not the people in here that are ultra successful. They're not, you know, they're not, brash or they're not bragging, braggadocious. They, they, they're they here to help or they're here to guide you because everybody has their strengths. Everybody has their weaknesses. And uh, it, it's a, a very community effort here uh, to lift everybody up, which is awesome.
1: I love that you just shared that because I've had two or three other members or guests that are newer to our group mm-hmm. come up and share that with just being very open and honest mm-hmm. and saying, you know, I'm humbled to be in this group. And um, I think it's very common to feel that way. Mm-hmm. Yet, just what you said is the spirit of it's collaboration. It's we can do so much more together. Mm -hmm. One plus one equals 11. And if you are in this group, it means you you've been vetted Mm -hmm. and you are worthy and you have, you know, so much to contribute. So when you um, talk to other people, how do you describe the UAC?
2: I call it a, the world's premier chiropractic mastermind. That's kind of what it is. It's funny. that kind of just came to you recently because, you know, my staff will say, oh, where are you going this weekend? I'm like, I'm going to UAC. They're like, well, what's that? I said, <laughs> Ultimate Achievers Club. They're like, well, what's that? <laughs> what's <laughs> that I'm mean? And I'm like, uh, yeah. So I said, it's just uh, some of the, the best chiropractors or the most inspired chiropractors that get together as a group and want to help lift each other up and do what we can to make the world a better place. And that's really what like, collaboration is such. I know we kind of in the last year, I think that word's come up a lot in UAC, and it it really is the essence of it. Absolutely, um, it's everything. It's isn't cool it?
0: that we're gonna have that as the theme for next year as well. Oh, really? yeah. yeah, it is. That's a, That's the focus because I mean it is a, such a collaboration of mm-hmm. whether it's like our energy or whether it's specific businesses that are collaborating mm-hmm. or you know the the ener- the way that the everything comes together as far as mm-hmm. like making the profession better right
2: yeah and the connections you get like i met dr franson obviously through this and i've been you know with him with trp and that's helped my practice and my sanity immensely my organization (laughs) everything else has been great um yeah i i i I, I can't believe six and a half years that (laughs) steph and i have been on a call every single week and it's just been awesome and connecting with those guys and helping each other out and I it's that that feeling of community amongst other like-minded successful chiropractors that's the key so many chiropractors you talk to in my community unfortunately some of them aren't doing as well, and there's usually a lot of more negativity and complaining. And whereas I'm, when I'm around UAC docs, it's all positivity. It's all like, "Hey, what are we going to do to get better?" And, and and so that's the kind of community I want to be around.
0: That's awesome, mm-hmm. um, Eric. You've been like really awesome to be like so like full vulnerable here with us, and like you know telling us a little bit about some of your failures. But tell us like a little bit about your weaknesses. Where do you, where do you feel like you still? Um, I know that it's not about strengthening your weaknesses, mm-hmm. right? But more about like getting stronger and where, where could, where are you, do you feel like you're stuck in any place or um, where are you, where are you looking to grow?
2: Yeah. So I, you know, I, 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 I'm not where I want to be, but I don't feel like I'm stuck. And I think what is, I think I'm on the right path. I've really become aware um, that I think one of, the, one of the mental blocks I had, and this is probably a weakness, was that I, you know, I see all these successful practices and it's usually very personality-driven, right? I mean, you take the doc out of the office and put a new doc in and it's, it's a completely different office, right? And so I, I always worried like, well, I have to my practice is me and I can't leave my practice because it just won't do well if it's not me. Um, and what I realized over time, now having two associates, is that you can have a business that still can be successful without you being there day-to-day. Um, I, I can share with you guys, we had our best um, week in practice. It was about a little over a year ago. We'd hit our best ever. And I looked at the numbers and I'd seen of that week, I saw 65% of the patients and my other two associates combined saw the other 35%, which as you guys know, know that's, that's not where I want to be. I don't want to be adjusting people all day long. Um, we just... Just barely, uh, not quite matched. But we're like five visits under our best two weeks ago. I looked the numbers. I only saw twenty five percent of the patients. That's great. The other seventy five was by the other associates. And guess what? I'm still making very good money. We're still doing well. And so I realized, you know, what this can be done. I can have a practice. I can and not be the the the, the main adjusting doctor. Eventually, just work my way completely out of it. Um, so that was a big hurdle. I think overcoming that and realizing that. So now my goal is going forward is looking for other practices to buy so that I can just, you know, scale basically um, serving really both purposes. I want to be the, the CEO and business owner. That's where I love. And then, but most doctors don't, and they need an avenue or a place to go where they can just be a doctor because they don't want to run the right. business. They don't want to hire and fire and deal with marketing and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, you know, we can really, it's, it's a win-win. And so now my goal is working on finding those doctors, finding practices, as you know, stuff. you know, about two months ago, I thought I had a perfect practice, I lined up a guy who was retiring and he had an associate that was staying and it was just, it was going to be a good fit. And unfortunately uh, somebody else overbid me, so I didn't get the practice, but um, it, it's just a matter of time. I'm still looking and trying to find that ideal, and eventually grow to two, three, four, five practices, and just uh, you know be completely out of adjusting and work towards uh, just you know, finding great docs that want to be great caregivers and help a lot of people, and you know, all working our strengths. Yeah,
1: scaling your organization and yeah. making it not be, you know, it's transferable. It's Absolutely. it's a profitable business that mm-hmm. is following you know mm-hmm. um, every you know the that yeah. model. And my so. goal
2: is it might be a pipe dream. My goal is to every activity that I do on a daily basis, work related, it's stuff I enjoy doing. Right. Yes. Like so many people like, like right now I love probably 60 to 70% of the stuff I do. And then, you know, other 30, 40, I don't like. And so my goal is to keep moving that up until it gets mm-hmm. to a hundred percent. And to do that, obviously. To we, be
1: in that zone, absolutely. like staff talked
2: yep. about. And I think being aware of my weaknesses, knowing what I'm not good at or what I don't enjoy doing. That's, yeah, that clarity has really helped me. I know I'm, I can be a chiropractor, but I'm not the best. I, I'm a better business person than I am a chiropractor. Yeah. I'm just not that empathetic connector that <laughs> a lot of like you are for sure. And well, you are the caregiver.
1: Too. So, you know, mm-hmm. Alan and um, Mark would talk about that and just identifying the, the types of people that are in our profession mm-hmm. and honoring them for who they are mm-hmm. because we need our caregivers and they love Absolutely. their patients, but we also need our business owners and our COOs sure. and, and differentiating that and mm-hmm. respecting each and getting each in the right seat in mm-hmm. the right place in the organization is what's going to grow, um, you know, multi-million dollar practices and, and organizations so, mm-hmm. you guys talked about your uh, accountability group. I do not want to finish up without touching on that because you've had one of the most successful accountability mm-hmm. groups in the UAC, mm-hmm. I believe. Uh, and, um, you know, it is a huge value of our group in these weekly rhythms or bi weekly rhythms that groups come together and drive the needle in smaller uh, groups. Mm-hmm. But, Can you guys share some best practices, strategies uh, from your accountability group? Because nuts and bolts, honestly, when people are forming accountability groups, this is a sticking point and they Mm -hmm. just want to know how do other groups make this work for them?
2: Uh, I'll start and you can chime in. Stephanie. anytime you want. Yeah. Um, I think it helps that all four of us are just committed to it. Like We were committed from the beginning to make this work. 100%. Um, and we just have developed this rhythm. We do a 50-minute meeting <laughs> at one ten every Tuesday to one ten to 2 o'clock every Tuesday for six and a half years. Um, and I think what it is is it never gets stale. Right. Like we always, like, no, and we've grown to obviously know each other so well and love each other. Um, but I think starting out, we were just committed to, we would start up, everybody do a check-in. Right. Everybody would do a couple of minutes just to let us know the good stuff if there's any challenges. Um, and then we obviously would do a checkout of of things, what what our goals are for next meeting, trying to hold each other accountable uh, hold each other accountable to those. But in the body, we always would have something. We were either reading books that we would discuss together, um, we would have different projects that we did. Um, we uh, are now doing these things called philosophers' notes. Uh where you guys know Brian Johnson yeah. probably has <laughs> He takes uh, for those of you who are listening and don't know what it is he this guy has taken hundreds of of, of like the best um you know self improvement books in the world and he basically he reads them and gives you a 25 minute audio uh, cliff notes of it and yeah. so um you so every week we listen to uh yeah, we listen to a, a chosen one and then we discuss it during we spend probably what 20 minutes or so discussing yeah. it during our during our call um and that's that's our plan every time now sometimes <laughs> unfortunately you know something might right. might be pressing coming up like you have a challenger or andrew or somebody you know, patrick as a challenge, and so we're like, okay, let's help each other. Let's yep. let's you know, let's triage this. Let's get into this. What do we need to do? What do we need to help each other? So, uh, every week we're there to support ourselves in some way.
0: Yeah, and I think like one of the things that I, is so awesome is that we also like close it out with goals for the next week. Mm-hmm. So we feel like we are always having somebody to be accountable to because the next week we're going to be asked, Hey, did you accomplish this? And mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it is, you know, nope, didn't get that done. So I'm moving it to the next week, but mm-hmm. it's there still, you know? And I think a lot of the times the one of the things I think I get out of it sometimes is as other people in the group's goals mm-hmm. are then like, Oh wait, I want to do that too. You mm-hmm. know, like let's do that together. And then you go through this journey Uh, together and you get to make changes, whether it's certain marketing experiences or, you know, we've done like quite a few things very similarly Mm -hmm. together. And I think that's such a, that's such a cool piece is to, you know, if it's not working for them and it's not working for us, maybe it's not us, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. it's the, it's so it's really nice to have that. But those philosopher notes, philosophers notes, we've been doing that for I don't know. It's been, yeah, a couple of years. And it's just so good because I feel like it makes me read. I mean, we listen to them, but Mm -hmm. you know, you listen, you get something new Mm -hmm. into your brain almost every single week. And, you know, you can get so busy and caught up, but I have that timeline of where we have to get back to our accountability group on Mm -hmm. Tuesday at 110. So I got to get that 20 minutes in there somewhere and it makes Mm -hmm. me do it, you know, Mm -hmm. and being a new mom and stuff like that, it's still like, I'm pumped my kids are hearing that stuff. So, Mm Um, it's just a cool piece, and I think we we constantly get value. I think that's the reason why we've been been able to continue together. And that's key, so I think long. value.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think a lot of groups fall apart because they don't feel like they're getting value out of it, or it's becoming a, a nuisance. It's like oh, I got to take that hour out of my day. It's like if yeah. there's not value there, you're obviously not going to continue doing it.
1: But I admire what you started with was the commitment. Mm-hmm. So I mean. The fact that you guys are committed to come alongside each other and just, you know, if one's falling down or stumbling, you pull each other up, but mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, you're not going to give up. And so the juice, the real good stuff comes from just that okay. longevity mm-hmm. of the group and, and the deep, the, the deep places you guys can go with each other because mm-hmm. the trust is there. So that's, yeah. that's great guys. Thanks mm-hmm. so much. Um, Eric, man, this was great. I yeah. want to just close up and just say any final uh, thoughts you want to unpack? Anything else we want to touch on or you think our members should
2: know about you? Well, I think I've said most of it. Um, I'm just <laughs> excited to see where the UAC is going to go in the future. I think um, it's constantly evolving. We're doing new things. I love what you guys on, on the board, Lynn and, and stuff are doing that are, are constantly refreshing and making it better and uh, um, yeah, it's a it's a group I I, I love. I look forward to. It's one of my favorite seminars to ever go to, just because I know I'm going to get so much out of it. Even though it's only two days or a day and a half that we're mm-hmm. doing things, I just leave here with my head buzzing, and I'm excited to see where UES is going to go in the future. Great.
1: Are you going to be with us in Mexico, Cabo, February twenty sixth and twenty we'll seventh? My governor
2: says about <laughs> traveling, but my plan is to be there. Yes.
1: Yeah, after listening to Kelly Brogan this morning and mm-hmm. she just like I think incited the rebel in all of us <laughs> we just need a, a massive uh, yeah. Yeah, group effort to, yeah. to just get everybody there so awesome thank you so much Dr. E you mm-hmm. always bring uh, such great value and big heart um, to, to, uh, to everything you do so thank thanks you. for bringing that here today